One eyewitness claimed to have seen a Kushtaka late one night on a trail near his house in Juneau. He and his friends were simply passing time on a Saturday night, you know, the way bored high schoolers do. They grew tired of their activities and someone suggested a nighttime walk through the woods. Having spent plenty of time in the nearby woods and not being concerned about anything too dangerous as bears were hibernating, the group put on their clothes made for zero degree weather and headed out into the cold night. The night was black and clouds blocked the moonlight. A very faint reflection of light was bouncing off the deep white snow. The group could effectively only make out shadows. They crunched the snow as they made their way up the hillside until someone came running from the back of the group. When asked what he was doing, he claimed to have heard some crunching behind him, lightly, as if something was following them. Another joked about it being the Kushtaka. After that comment, the group fell silent for a second until someone managed to choke out that it was just a tale to keep children from wandering into the woods. Still unsettled, the group decided to head back home as it was near 3 a.m. As the group slowly walked back, each looking intently into the woods, covering every direction, listening for something odd, a baby's cry pierced the night. The group set out in a dead sprint for the safety of the house. Once out of the woods, one turned back towards the tree line. What he saw was like no creature of nature. It was five feet tall and stood on its hind legs. It looked a bit like an otter, but things were askew. It had large patches of thick brown fur, but where the fur was missing, the monster had black leathery skin. It had almost human-like hands covered in the same black skin with spindly and bony fingers which ended in large claws. Its teeth were long and sharp and eyes were bright yellow. With a wretched shriek, the creature fell on all fours and sprinted towards the group. They made it to the house with the boy that stopped to look back further behind the rest of the group. The others claimed the monster was right on his heels by the time they slammed the door shut. Each of them peered out of the windows by the door to see the creature stalking back and forth in the front yard. That is, until a loud bark broke through the night air. With that, the beast head rose quickly and looked for the dog. It broke into a sprint for the woods, and that's when the boys knew they had been haunted by a Kushtaka. And salutations to all you people out in the hinterlands. As always, it's your boys Rock and Max, and we're going to be your guides as we throw on our cold weather gear and head out into the wilds of Alaska here at Nightmares and Daydreams. Hey, lovely listeners, Rock and I are super stoked to be here. As we always are. And we're also super stoked to present this episode on the Kushtaka, mm-hmm. which originally aired, as you may remember, as a Five Minutes of Folklore last season. As with every episode of Five Minutes of Folklore, we ask that y'all vote on which episode you'd like us to make a full-length pod. And the Kashtaka received the most votes. If you want to vote, just message us on any social media or email us. Send smoke signals, do whatever. Get in touch with us, gang. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Give us a ring. Also, we'd like to welcome our new listeners from the Monsters Among Us podcast. Welcome, Amongsters. 100%. We'd like to thank Derek and his crew for allowing us to sponsor one of his amazing shows and our attempts to get nightmares and daydreams out there. 
And for those of you who aren't listening to Monsters Among Us, check it out. Some truly chilling stories on Derek's show. You speak true, Rock. All right, so what's on the agenda tonight, Maxie? Let me check my notes. Oh, yeah. Uh, Your notes are wrong. Rock and I are going to discuss and debate all things legendary, paranormal, and monstrous. And of course, fun. Fun, gang. It's in the notes right here. It's what we live for. It's the stuff dreams are made of. But Max, do you want to know what's not funny? I have zero ideas here, Rock. Being pursued by a magical shapeshifter out of Native American myth. And get this, if you're caught, you just might be transformed into one of the creatures your own damn self. Werewolves do that. So do vampires, according to the lore anyway. You know, if you're bitten by one, you might turn into one. I think it's pretty common, actually. But the Kashtaka, the land otter man, ain't no werewolf, Max. He ain't no vampire either. He's a bit different. Don't sleep on this legend, y'all. It's pretty wicked. As in the opening story, those kids were lucky to have reached the safety of their homes. It's like once they mentioned the Kashtaka on their walk, they drew its attention. There's a lot of power in names, as we've talked about before. Yep, it's like, don't say it. But one of the kids did, and the Kashtaka stalked those young lads all the way home. And they saw this creature around 3 a.m., the witching hour. Not an ideal time to be out and about in the woods. Yeah, like we said, not in the damn woods, at least. So the Kushtaka is a mythical creature out of Klinka and Timshian lore out of the southeastern Alaska. Southeastern Alaska, huh? Hmm, Max, if I'm not mistaken, that's on the cusp of the new Alaskan Riviera. Right by the tiny burg of Sicily, Alaska. Right. Uh I know you love you some northern exposure. (laughs) That show last aired in, what, the mid-90s? The mid-90s. What a magical time. (laughs) How about a northern exposure review? I've been thinking about expanding my reviews to TV as well. Thoughts? Dude, believe me. I'm pretty sure no one wants to hear a review on a show. (laughs) And I'm a fan, by the way, but it's like 25 years old. Or do they? I mean, it's been a couple of decades. Folks might have forgot. Am I right? I'm putting my foot down. Let's move on. All right, man. Hey, you know what? But it's a classic fish out of water story, Max. The Kashtaka is like a fish out of water, or rather an otter out of water. (laughs) See what I'm saying? Everything's connected. At least it rhymes. All right. That's a thundering good rhyme. So what do the Kashtaka look like, Rock? Is it like in the story? So according to David Weatherly, in his excellent book, Monsters of the Last Frontier. The Kashtaka is between six and eight feet in height, covered in sleek black or dark brown fur. They have human-like hands, but they have talons on their fingers. Their feet are like a human's. The eyes are large, and by some accounts, the eyes glow. Their mouths are full of needle-like teeth, and they have a long tail. They emit a high-pitched three-part whistle in the pattern of low, high, low. Where are there anybody? Deadly wear otters, Maxie. Yeah, you know, they might sound cute, but that would actually be kind of horrifying. Eight foot tall otter man hybrid? Nope. Like you want to say, oh, hell no. That's right, son. And if being large and in charge wasn't enough, the Kashtaka have a range of other supernatural abilities, don't they, Max? They do, Rock. They can shift from large otter to their hybrid form and even to that of a regular looking human. Damn. They also can use their voices to mimic a person's friends or loved ones to draw them near. And of course, the classic. They love to mimic the sound of a baby crying. And in some tales, they can cast illusions, appearing as deceased loved ones or children, all in hopes of luring people to their doom. Man, so they're like, uh, 
fighter illusionist or something like that in D&D terms. It's crazy, man. <laughs> Listen, Max, we've talked about this. I hear a baby crying in the woods. I'm doing a 180 and heading the other way. Yep. Never a good thing to hear a baby crying out in the bush. It's always a trap, man. Not always, but hey, why chance it? So in the opening story, it seems the Kushtaka was frightened off by a barking dog. Is that like a thing? Okay. All right, gang. So according to the lore, the Kushtaka wants nothing to do with dogs. So since you brought up dogs, Maxie, let's get into a few ways our listeners might protect themselves against the land otter man. Lead on, good sir. All right, gang. So according to the lore, there are several methods one can use when trying to ward off the Kushtaka. The first is urine spreading it around the camp, etc. There's a story about a young boy that's kidnapped by the land otter man, and he's later found because he kind of panicked, as you would, especially as a kid, and peed himself. And his tribe found him unharmed and attributed his escape to him peeing himself and the Kushtakas not wanting to handle him. That's my personal method. <laughs> no, <laughs> seriously though, any port in a storm, as you like to say. That'd be the easiest one to pull off. Exactly. Man. That'd be the easiest one to pull off. <laughs> if you're scared, <laughs> being chased, just pee. Just go with it. Apparently, gang, copper, fire, tobacco are all useful defenses against the Kushtaka. So word party people get a large fire going at your camp, smoke some tobacco, and that is all. We do not condone smoking anything else in the woods. Well. Also, carrying around a teapot forged of the finest copper, you know, for your tea and coffee. And you just might be all good in the woods of Alaska, people. Maybe. Unless, you know, like a Kodiak grizzly shows up or something. So what's the deal with dogs, though? So dogs, like in the opening story, are the best defense against the Kushtaka. A barking dog can force a Kushtaka to reveal itself. If it's, you know, in human form, it's going to shift back to Kushtaka form. And of course, dogs can be vicious and can greatly harm or even kill Kushtaka. It's like dogs can just sense them and don't like them, right? Yeah, and plus the dog's bark is like dispel magic or something, you know, <laughs> like the illusion goes away. Sure. You know, uh, Gang, dogs are so revered as protectors against the land otter men that some believe that wearing the bones of dogs as protective talismans are another potent way to keep them at bay. Also, shamans have the power to battle the Kushtaka using their spiritual powers to rescue people kidnapped by the land otter men. You know, at least according to the lore. Dogs rule, so do shamans. That's for show. Sure. All right. You ready for a story? Ready or not, I think our listeners are. My brother came home for a visit, and we hadn't seen each other in quite a while, so we took off to camp for a couple days, just like old times for us. Our family was living further down south at the time, and there were plenty of places we liked to go. Anyway, we set up camp one night and settled in, just talking and catching up. That's when we heard it, the whistling, high-pitched and in a pattern, low, then high, then low, just like the old stories say. It was moving around us, first behind us, then a few minutes later, over on the side. We were getting pretty nervous because they can turn you, make you one of them if they get a hold of you. I started feeling really funny with a light head. Then it was on the other side. We grabbed our stuff ready to get out of there and we stood up, looking around, trying to figure out where it was. Through the trees, on one side we saw something very tall moving. We only caught a glimpse of it. It was behind the trees. It was on two legs and tall, at least six or seven feet. And what we did catch sight of was a long tail trailing behind it. We got out and never went back on that spot. Our grandfather said it was one of them. 
from Monsters of the Last Frontier by David Weatherly. Those dudes were just camping and like to be abducted and changed into Kushtaka themselves. So yeah, great story, but I wonder, could the Kushtaka be mistaken for Sasquatch? Oh no, no way in hell. Okay, why are you so certain, mister, I want to believe? Because Bigfoot slash Sasquatch is fake. <laughs> what? Listen, Max, we all saw that episode of The Six Million Dollar Man, right? Bigfoot is a robot. <laughs> That's why we never find That's remains, canon. because he never dies, son. He just keeps going and going and going. Our younger listeners have no idea what The Six Million Dollar Man is, right? <laughs> and I'm serious. I mean, they could be the same creature, though, no? I mean, except for the tail. Thoughts? All right, listen, man. So all joking about awesome 1970s TV shows aside, the native peoples of southeastern Alaska are adamant that Sasquatch and Kashtaka are not the same. Though they might inhabit some of the same, I guess, habitat or territory, I guess, they are two completely different entities. You got to believe the locals, right? Yep. If the First Nations people have two very different views of either the Kashtaka or Sasquatch, I guess I'm going with them. Very wise. So in the story, they were afraid they would get abducted and turned into a Kushtaka. Yeah, so a very real fear is being abducted and transformed into a land otter man. And the thing is this, and you know, this is different from being changed into a vampire or werewolf from a bite. According to the lore, the Kushtaka will sometimes save someone who is perhaps drowning or about to freeze to death by changing that person into a Kushtaka. Well, the question is, and I do find that interesting, is... Is the change, is the life-saving gesture an altruistic thing? Or are the land otter men simply adding to their numbers? And the other question is, would that person want to be rescued by a Kushtaka? I mean, I guess it's better than death, right? You know, according to native lore, not so much. After the, quote, change into a Kushtaka, the person retains some of their human memories, but are lost to their families and friends forever. And in Clinket belief, for one to be reincarnated, they must die a human. So in essence, the Kushtaka traps their souls and prevents them from reincarnating while creating new Kushtaka. So being turned into a Kushtaka could be looked upon as a sort of damnation, even. Hmm, Yep. Could they be saved once they're changed? Not once the change is complete, but if they are recognized by family before the change is complete, there's a chance they could be brought back. And of course, shamans have the power to bring them back as well. But the change itself, according to the lore, is gradual. Scary stuff. And of course, there's the belief that the Kushtaka are simply people that are kidnapped by land otters and changed into Kushtakas, that mix between a land otter and a person. Yeah, those damn dirty land otters. <laughs> as opposed to the oh-so-adorable sea otters. I love them! So, the land otter, according to Clinkett myth, was blessed by Raven, and given the ability to thrive both on land and in the water, much like the Clinkett people themselves. Raven also gave the land otter the powers of illusion and disguise, as well as the job of rescuing people at sea, or those lost by changing them into a Kushtaka. Well, we talked about Raven in our Tricksters episode. He is a tricksy one. Yep. Maybe the land otters did too good a job of rescuing people and turning them into Kushtaka. Yeah, maybe Raven didn't think that through. Mm-hmm. Tricksters make their own rules, baby. Let's get into another story, shall we? Several persons once went out from Sitka together when their canoe turned over and all were drowned except a man from Kiksadi. 
a canoe came to this man, and he thought that it contained his friends, but they were really land otters. They started southward with him and kept going further and further until they had passed clear around the Queen Charlotte Islands. At every place they stopped, they took in a female land otter. All this time, they kept a mat made out of the broad part of a piece of kelp over the man they had captured, until at length they arrived at a place they called Rainy Village. At this place, the man met an ant who had drowned years before and had become the wife of two land otter men. She was dressed in a groundhog robe. Then she said to him, My husbands will save you. You must come see me this evening. That evening he came to his aunt, and she said, I can't leave these people, for I have learned to think a great deal of them. Afterwards, both of his aunt's husbands started back with him. They did not camp until midnight. Their canoe was escaped, and as soon as they came ashore, they would turn it over on top of him, so that no matter how hard he tried to get out, he could not. In making the passage across to Cape Omani, they worked very hard, and shortly after they landed, they heard the raven. They could only go a short distance for food. When they first started back, the woman had said to her husbands, Don't leave him where he can be captured again. Take him to a good place. So they left him close to Sitka. There, dazed, he walked around in the neighborhood of the town and made the people suffer so much every night that they could not sleep, and they were determined to capture him. They fixed a rope in such a way as to trap him, but they were unsuccessful. Finally, however, they placed dog bones in the rope they would stick into the man's hands, dog bones being the greatest enemies of the land otters. Late that night, the land otter man was captured and was ensnared by the dog bones in the rope, and he sat and began to scream. While he was doing this, the townsfolk captured him. When they got him home, he was at first very wild with insanity, but they restored his reason by cutting his head with dog bones. He was probably not so far gone as most victims of the land otter men. Then they learned what happened to him. After this time, however, he would always eat his meat and fish raw. Once when he was among the halibut fishers, they wanted very much to have him eat some cooked halibut. He was a good halibut fisher, probably having learned the art from the land otters, though he did not say so. For a long time, the man refused to take any cooked meat, but at last he consented, and the cooked food killed him. Don't force cooked halibut on your friends, gang. Word, have a bit of sake and enjoy the raw fish, people. Maybe with some miso soup and a large Asahi super dry to start the meal. You feel me? Look at you talking about sushi. All right, so what are your thoughts on the Kushtaka, Max? Sounds like a complicated relationship. You know, between the First Nations peoples and their belief in the Kushtaka, like, it could rip you apart, or maybe it'll save you from freezing to death, but in doing so, steals your soul. Kind of like the Vajinoi out of the Slavic culture. Catches you, keeps your soul in a jar, in his underwater palace. Yeah, you know, for fun. And then, of course, there are some that believe that the Kashtaka is simply another example of the nursery bogey. You know, a monster made up to keep kids out of the wilderness. They abound in every culture. According to the OG folklorist Catherine Briggs, scaring the kids to keep them safe. And kids are one of the Kushtaka's preferred prey. Stay close to home, kids. You know, if you live near thousands of miles of pristine wilderness, exactly. it's, you know, probably easy to get lost. Another aspect of Kushtaka that I ran across was an ability to summon avalanches as well as spread disease. All right, man. So the ability to cause avalanches is like the summon storm ability, just like leveled up. So that's like a fifth level spell or something like that. Like the seventh. 
It's like the Kishtaka is like, summon storms, please check this out. <laughs> for real, man. Bringing tons of snow down a mountain is for real. And yet another reason I don't ski. Because of the Kishtakas? Yep, yep. Well, you got no balance either, right? Hey. That's the real reason. Dude, honestly, the real reason I don't ski is because it don't snow in Austin. And we got no mountains. Besides, I prefer tubing down the Frio River in the Texas Hill Country as opposed to barreling like a madman down a snowy hill. That's too dangerous. Way less dangerous. And you can't have a beer while you're skiing. Well, I'm sure you can, but you got to be a really good skier. <laughs> That's true. Anybody can tube and have a brewski. You know, if you weren't going to London know, to run one of your marathons, you could come to the river with us here in a couple of weeks. We'll miss you this year, my friend. Promise to go next year. Yeah, loose, sir. I'll choose in London over hanging with your boys. What's wrong with you? Got to get my priorities straight. All right, Max, I'm going to put you to work for the pod. Go find a haunted locale and tell us about it. Deal? Deal. And I'll have some bangers and mash as oh, well. Dude, I'm super jealous. All right, and moving on. Okay, gang, so that ability to spread disease and pestilence is another hallmark of monsters and folklore. True. Folklore abounds with gods and monsters that are spreaders of disease. Plague maidens out of Polish lore, etc. Plague maidens? Don't get me started on Witcher lore, Maxi. I won't. <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't I tell you a quick story to end this episode? Put a bow on it, amigo. My father's oldest brother got captured by land otters out at Sitchuk. He was about four years old. My mother told us, don't go too far in the dark in the nighttime. He was found two days later, caught between the roots of a tree. When he came to, it was dark, pouring down rain, and he had no clothes on or anything. That Indian doctor spirit, the shaman, caught him. He got under the trees. The Kushtaka dragged him through the roots. They let him drop right between the roots. He pooped all over himself and the land otters didn't want to handle him. From Monsters of the Last Frontier by David Weatherly. You know, the kid did the right thing, Max. He pooped on himself and he was scot-free. Any port in a storm. Yep. Remember that defense, y'all. If you're in southeastern Alaska, you're seeing an overly large otter approaching you. Do your business right then and there. <laughs> he'll be so grossed out, he'll leave you alone. Just any otter. Yeah, exactly. If you want, you know, the sanctity of being alone, you know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew they were so focused on hygiene? For real. Hey, Better than being eaten or turned into a kushtaka, I guess. Am I right? I'd say so. Party people, with that last bit of folklore, we are done. Thank you so much for hanging out with Max and myself during these trying times. You know we super appreciate it. That we do. And if y'all appreciate what we're doing and would like to support the podcast, head on over to buymeacoffee.com and search Nightmares Podcast for an invigorating one-time donation. It literally helps us keep the lights on here at Nightmares and Daydreams. Speaking of supporting the podcast gang, as we say, head on over to patreon.com forward slash nightmares podcast for some extra content. Tears start at a buck a month that you can cancel any damn time. We continually add new stuff, including Max's Myth, Rock's Relaxing Reads, bonus episodes, and new music by the great and powerful Teresa Joy. And speaking of... That great bard, the best bard, in fact, in the business. She is. Teresa Joy gives us 
that amazing sound that so many of you have commented on. Find and follow her at Viobrite, that's at V-I-O-B-R-I-T-E. Or just check her out on her own website, TeresaJoyMusic.com. And we asked earlier, but we will ask again. Please, y'all, head on over to whatever podcast you listen to us on and grant us the boon of that sacred and oh-so-important five-star review. And, of course, share our podcast, gang. Help your boys get out there. Also, join us out on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, even TikTok. Mm -hmm. We'd love to hear from y'all. Lastly, head on over to our own damn website at nightmarespodcast.net to holler at your boys. We'd love to hear from you. So, ladies and gentlemen, as always, be good to each other and... Sweet dreams. Sweet dreams.